The Bible tells us in John chapter 3, which is really the Christmas verse, in verse 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That, though it is a salvation verse, it's really the Christmas verse wrapped up right there. And it presents to us the perfect gift, the perfect gift that God has given to us. Now, at this time, right now, it is 6.05 p.m. If you haven't found the perfect gift yet, I think you're out of luck. <laughs> but all of us, we look for the perfect gift, don't we, for that someone? How many times over this Christmas season have you heard somebody say, I just don't know what to get for that person? They're so hard to buy for. Why? Because you want to get the perfect, the perfect gift for that person. You don't want them to unwrap that gift and go, huh, thanks. You know, <laughs> underwear, great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you want to get the perfect gift. But let's face it, most of us, we're not going to give somebody the perfect gift. But though you may not be able to give the perfect gift, you can receive the perfect gift. See, and God has given us the perfect gift for all people at all times. I, I'd like you to just spend a few moments with me thinking about the perfect gift that God has given to us. In, like I said, in John chapter 3, it's really a Christmas verse, and we see that God has first given to us the perfect gift of love. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. Amen. He gave us the perfect gift of love. But it's just not the world's type of love. He gave us the perfect uh, gift of his unlimited love. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, the Bible says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. It says there about the unlimited love of God that it's past. You can't, you can't imagine how much God loves you. And it's unlimited. You'll never be able to plumb the depths of God's love. Not only do we see that God gave his perfect gift of unlimited love, the Bible also tells me that he has given us the perfect gift of his unending love. So God's love is not only unlimited, but it's unending. In Jeremiah, the Bible says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting, or we would say, an unending love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. You know, the, the way that you may treat somebody, you may not handle a situation right. Because of that, they may say to you, I want you out of my life. They may say like this, you know, uh, some, of the, uh, some of our Italian friends say it this way. You're dead to me. Right? I, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. You know what they're saying? They're saying that their love for you has ended. 
Do you realize that the love that God has for each and every one of us, it does not end. It's eternal. God's love is unlimited. It's unending. But it's unconditional. You don't have to do anything for it. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9, we love him because, or verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. It's unconditional. There is, listen, there's nothing that you and I can do to earn the love of God. He has just freely bestowed it upon us. This is the gift that we have this Christmas, the perfect gift that God gives to us. But not only is his love unlimited, unending, and unconditional, it's undeserved. We don't deserve God's love. Romans 5, 8 says to us, uh, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we were in sin and Christ loved us enough to die for us. We didn't deserve this love that God's given to us. We were in sin. Not, and matter of fact, we didn't want anything to do with God. We didn't want him to rule our lives. We didn't want, we didn't want him to uh, be the, the one that sits on the throne of our hearts. We wanted to do our own thing. But he still loved us. Let me put it to you this way. Some of you might have children or, or maybe you're a little bit older and you have grandchildren. And you go to Walmart. And throughout Walmart, the whole time you're in Walmart, you're saying, Buford, settle down. Gertrude, stop arguing. Don't touch that. Stop your fussing. I don't want you. No, don't do that. Hey, you need to set up. Hey, wait a second. You to, stop screaming and yelling. Stop your crying. Stop, stop your fighting. And then you get to the impulse item. Right? Right there at the uh, impulse aisle, I should say. And there is right there something exactly that, Ber, uh, that, 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 that Gertrude wanted. A giant Hershey bar. And she looks up at you and she says, Mommy, can I have that? And what do you say to her? You say, no, you don't deserve it because you've been disobedient. You've broken the rules. You didn't follow me. You weren't obedient to me. Do you realize that though we have not been obedient to God, though we don't deserve his love, he still loves us. See, God's given us the perfect gift of his love. But not only has he given us in this verse the perfect gift of his love, he's given us the perfect gift of his son. It says that he gave his only begotten son. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, the Bible reads this way. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. God didn't just give us an average son. He didn't just send us an okay son. He sent us a wonderful son. The Bible tells us that his name shall be called wonderful. You know what type of son he sent us? That word wonderful it means to inspire delight. That the son of God, he just delights the heart. It, the, the word wonderful can mean marvelous. It can mean magnificent. It, it can mean superb. They're all synonyms of that word wonderful. When God sent his son, he sent us a marvelous son. He sent us a magnificent son. He sent us a superb son. He's the son of all sons. Not only is he a wonderful son, the Bible says his name is called Counselor, 
You know what that, that tells us? That he knows your need. You know, there are some that are counselors in name only, or uh, they are counselors in, in just because they have a degree, but they have no life experience per se of what you've gone through. Do you realize that Jesus Christ knows exactly what you need? The Bible says that he was tempted in every point. As we are yet without sin, he knows exactly what you need. He's the perfect counselor. When you can't bear your burdens to anybody else, you can go to the Lord Jesus Christ and you can turn your burdens over to him. He's the perfect son. It says not only is he, uh, uh, the, not only is he wonderful and a counselor, it says that he's a mighty God. What is that? That he's mighty to save you say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done in my life. I've been a really bad person. The Bible says about this son that he is able to save them to the uttermost. It doesn't matter. You say, you mean God would take me? Yes. He would take me the way that I am? Yes. But he's not going to leave you the way that you are. He's going to change you. He is, the, he is the mighty God. He's the one that can change you. It says that he is wonderful. He's the counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. This is the son, the, the perfect gift that God's given us, the everlasting father. What's that talking about? It's talking about the son has fatherly compassion for people. You can look into the gospels and you can see over and over again how it talks about Jesus' compassion for the multitudes. Jesus' compassion for the sick. Jesus' compassion for the lame, the blind. Jesus' compassion for the sinners. Hey, let me tell you something. If Jesus was not compassionate like a father to sinners, then why did prostitutes and tax collectors and thieves hang out with him? Amen. Why? Because he's a compassionate father. Amen. This is the perfect son that God has sent to us. And it says that he's the prince of peace. The only way that you and I will ever have perfect peace, lasting peace, not fleeting peace, you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you have peace, and then other times your whole world is turned upside down. It seems like you can't get peace. But the only way that you'll have perfect peace is through the perfect Son of God. This is the perfect gift that God has given us. He's given us the perfect gift of his love. He's given us the perfect gift of a son. And then he's given us the perfect gift of faith that whosoever believeth in him. God has even given us the faith that we have as a gift. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and not, not of yourselves. It's nothing that you've done. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We all have faith, and we all have faith in something. Sometimes we will put faith in other people. All of us in here, if you go to a doctor, we put faith in them, all because they've got this piece of paper up on their wall and it says DR on it, and we trust them. But let me be quick to remind you, that I don't know that we should put our faith in them. You say, why is that? Because it is called practicing medicine. So you happen to be the guinea pig that they're practicing on. Huh. 
But the simple fact of the matter is that we put our faith in them, don't we? They give us a prescription. We go to the pharmacist. We pick up the prescription and we don't think twice about it. I remember my mom did that one time. She got a prescription. She started taking it. And she started feeling something's wrong in her body. She had complete trust in the pharmacist, complete faith. The pharmacist gave her the wrong prescription. Guess what? When you place your faith in God, he's never going to get it wrong for you. He's given us, God has given us the perfect gift of love. He's given us the perfect gift of his son. He's given us the perfect gift of our faith to be able to trust in him. Every man, woman, boy, and girl, when they're born into the world, is given the gift of faith because we're all believing in something or someone. But not only that, God has given us the perfect gift of eternal life. The rest of the verse says, should not perish, but have everlasting life. In that everlasting life, it's an unending life. That's what everlasting means. It means to last or endure forever. It means eternal, existing, or continuing without end, immortal. God speaks to us in Genesis chapter 21, and it says that he is eternal. The only way that God could give us eternal or everlasting life is if he was eternal. You cannot give something to someone that you do not possess yourself. And so when the, the Bible speaks of everlasting, it speaks of God as being everlasting. But not only does it speak of God as being everlasting, it also speaks of punishment of being everlasting. There's everlasting fire and judgment for those who refuse this perfect gift, according to Matthew chapter 18 and verse 25. But he tells us here, this unending life in our text is about everlasting life. This is the perfect gift that God gives. He gave us the perfect gift of unending life. He also gives us the perfect gift of a better life. Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, Therefore we are, uh, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. God gives us a better life. Listen, this is not your best life now, no matter who writes a book on it. If this is my best life now, I got some real problems with heaven. Because if this is best life now, I don't think so. See, God gives us a better life, not only here, but in the hereafter. When it speaks about this eternal life, it's an unending life. It's a better life. But it's a, the perfect gift of a life to be reconciled with God. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 20 and 23, the Bible says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross. Why did there have to be peace made? Because something was wrong between us and God. 
by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your minds by wicked works, yet now hath reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless, unreprovable in his sight. God has given us this everlasting life in order that we can be reconciled to him. What does it mean to be reconciled? It means to put back together. It's because of our sin that has broken the relationship with God. It all started back in the Garden of Eden. Because our our mother and father sinned against God, it broke that relationship. So now we needed to be joined back together to God. They wanted to be their own gods. They wanted to rule their own life. They wanted to do their own thing. They wanted to be like God. And it broke the relationship with God that they had. And now God has sent the perfect gift so that we can be brought back together with him. You know, since that time in Genesis, man has been doing everything he can to get back in the right relationship with God. That's why we have so many different religions. They tell you, you need to do this, you need to do that, and you got to do this, and, uh, and make sure you do this. That's why spirituality is so big in our world today. Man does want a relationship with God. Though they may call it something else, they may, they may deem it as the uh, great force out there, they, they may talk about nirvana, they may talk about some spiritual uh, ecstasy. What they're really longing for is a relationship with God. Last week, I believe it was, I was at Thomas Jefferson Hospital visiting with my cancer doctor. And at the end of my examination and spending some time with him, him going over some of my tests, I asked him what he thought of what would happen to him when he died. He said, I suspect that it will be just the end. Then he quickly said, but from all the study that I've done on cells and how they mutate and, and the body and, and how cancer grows, it is impossible that this all just happened by chance. He said to me, he said, there must be a God. And when I see him, I just hope that the judgment will not be too hard because I've done some bad things in my life when I was younger. This doctor who is 81 years of age, he's been practicing medicine since 1964. He was saying to me, I want to be reconciled to God. I don't want to be judged by God. See, this Christmas, everyone can receive the perfect gift from God. It's the gift of love. It's the gift of his son. It's the gift of our faith to be able to trust in him. And it's the gift of everlasting life. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. How many in here this evening would be able to say, Pastor, I've accepted that perfect gift. I know if I were to die right now that I'd spend eternity with the Lord. There's no doubt in my mind. I've received that perfect gift. 
Would you please slip up your hand with mine? Say, Pastor, that's me. I know if I were to die right now, I'd spend eternity with the Lord. God bless you. You could put your hands down. Maybe there's some of you in here that could not say that. Say, I, I don't know if I've accepted that perfect gift. But I'd like to. Is there anyone in here this evening with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around? It's a very private and personal time. Is there anybody in there this evening who would say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? Now, my prayer won't get you into heaven. You've got to personally accept Christ. But I will pray for you. Would you please pray for me? I'm not quite sure if life were to cease in my body that I'd go to be with the Lord. I, I don't know. You say, but pastor, I, I've been christened. I've taken Holy Communion. I've been, I, I, I've been baptized. I, I'm a deacon in the church. I, I didn't ask you any of that. I've asked if you put your complete faith and trust in Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. You say, pastor, I don't know. Would you please pray for me? Just slip up your hand if I can pray for you. Just put it up and put it down. No one's looking around. We won't send anybody to you and I won't come to you. Is there anybody like that this evening? Father, you know the hearts and the needs of these, your people here. And I pray that everyone in here has received the perfect gift. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship you through song. But I also thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship you through the preached word. We love you this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.